We're back. We're back. This is a distraction. I'm Drew. That's Roth. Happy Super Bowl, Roth. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. I'm really excited to um, just watch some football and commune. We're having about, uh, we're going to have 30 people over in our home yeah. for a Super Bowl party. That's right. Everybody's bringing a dip. So it's a lot of different types of dip. Yeah. Yeah. You got all of dip. Double dipping's fine. I'm actually, I'm on Radio Row right now. I'm, of course, next to Skippy and Goface's Morning Holocaust on Radio Row. So and uh, Beefer and amazing. Beefer and Squelcher <laughs> on the other side. And, you know, we, we just had Joe Theismann. We just had Art Monk. We just had Steve Largent, a real who's who of football greats. It's incredible. And that's, and that's just the first six hours of your day. Because, like, it's about to go down. Yeah, yeah, because now we have one of our, our less interesting Radio Row guests. It's, oh. <laughs> this week's guest for the Super Bowl Week podcast, it's Harley Quinn co-creator, lap San Diego Chargers fan, and my dear close personal friend, Justin Halper. Justin Halper. Oh, oh, I like him. That's fine. Yeah, I, I came all the way out here to Tampa to be on Radio Row with you guys. I'm so excited. I took a flight. I didn't wear a mask. I made a statement I think. yeah i think uh that's you're certainly um among some like-minded people down there in tampa which is great <laughs> i went to radio row in new york for the new york super bowl and it was the most depressing goddamn thing i had ever seen because it was like it's a big hall and there's just like banquet tables and then like a half dead mike dicka might be like walking around and like you're like is he is he gonna drop dead <laughs> Right now, he was the unhealthiest looking motherfucker I'd ever seen in my life. What kind of what color are we looking at? Skim milk? Just what is, like what is you know Mike like, Ditka's complexion? Old people have a rosacea that just defies the spectrum. Yeah, like there's a red and there's a purple, but it's like there's there's some sort of atomic charge to it that doesn't that escapes <laughs> standard you know light refraction. So I don't colors know. that only exist within the shimmer in annihilation. Got to respect that. Justin, how you doing? <laughs> And man, I'm doing good. I'm spending a lot of time around my kids. I would not be surprised if one of them tries to burst in here and ask me for yogurt or something that doesn't matter <laughs> at some point during this. How, so, how old are I the mean, kids? Uh, one is about to turn five and one is like seven and a half. Uh, so it's the age where they can't entertain themselves, but they're old enough that they know how to bother you in the correct way. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Perfect. Ooh. Such a fun age. That's the a yogurt requesting age. Are you in a, yeah. are you in a pod? I, we, so we did, we did, we potted with our neighbors who have kids that are the same age that are like best friends with our kids and that, and so we'll have like a standing hangout on Saturday. And that's definitely kept me like a little more sane to talk to uh, adults in person. Um, but, but yeah, my kid, I don't know. You have kids. It's like, fun. your kids stay out of your room because you, you're explosive. Yeah. No, well, actually, actually, I, I went to, I went to therapy for that and then wrote a book about that. So I, I, uh, I, uh, my kids are all older than eight and the, and the youngest one will be nine in just a couple months. And so, first of all, they all have screens they can access. So most of the time, they don't want to hang out with us. They want to fuck off. Like we said, you know, like I said to the, the middle one, I was like, "What was the favorite part of the day?" And he's like, "Screen time." And I was like, "Yeah, all right." Uh. What? Well, so we at dinner we have to say like, "What is different from screen time?" And the dog that was the best part of your day. And then they're like, uh, <laughs> "I had I chips." <laughs> So this is the solution here for Justin seems clear. You got to get your kids a Finsta, man. <laughs> get, get them plugged in. Get them up there doing I, like just for the real heads, the real stuff that they experience every day. We we took them one time to Yosemite. Uh, we went, like, took a vacation to Yosemite. We were like walking amongst these giant redwoods. And at the end of the day, we asked them what their favorite thing was. And it was getting to use the iPad in the car on oh. the way to Yosemite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally remember, like, I used to go, like, do ski camps, like, like when I was in Minnesota growing up, like, we would, my parents would drop us off at the bus on Saturday morning, and we'd have to fuck off to some mountain an hour away for all day, and my favorite part was always playing in the arcade at lunch. I didn't give a fuck about the skiing at all. I just wanted to play yeah. Galaga for, like, nine hours. Uh, can I ask you, are you still okay with the pod now that L.A., like, is basically like the epicenter of everything going wrong just before the vaccines hit. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, my brother got COVID. Uh, he's fine. I had an aunt get it who actually like went on ventilators in the hospital, then came out, oh made my it God. out. But like, like it is, it, you know, when you see the thing of like, you're in the epicenter and you're like, yeah, but maybe that's overblown. It's like, no, no, no. It feels like it's closing in. Yeah. In LA. Yeah. Um, we've definitely, I mean, the the people we pod with take it super seriously too. So I feel pretty safe about that. That's but, good. Yeah, it's fucking bleak out here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a really it's bad definitely, feeling. Yeah, people. The, the funny thing too is like they actually had to. The malls are open right here. They're still open. You still go to the mall. So but they actually, Yeah, they they had to rescind an order with that a, a law in L.A. There was a law in place in L.A. that said you couldn't cremate more than a certain number of people a day because of air quality. It would like you know make pollute into the air right and they they had to rescind that law for right now because so many people in la are dying they needed to be able to cremate more of them and yet the malls are still open (laughs) but but the crematoriums needed a little extra juice is there anyone in the malls beyond like psychotic huntington beach ladies like demanding to get let into old navy because it's america and they're still free or whatever yeah, I mean, there are enough of those people in Southern California <laughs> that you wouldn't need anymore, but there are more past that. Yeah, I mean, there's like, I drove past the mall the other day, and there was just a line of people waiting to have their car valeted. I was like, you can't just, you can't take the one precaution of just valeting. Right, car yeah. Yourself. Oh That's fucking nuts. <laughs> They're like, I'm going to take a calculated risk. But before that, I'm going to take a completely egregious and unnecessary risk. Yes. <laughs> It's it's pretty wild. I mean, you know, it, 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 yeah, it's also, I think this is the thing that doesn't really get talked about is California is like completely owned by big tech and and it's become this like island of gig workers because it's all these, you know, big tech companies, especially in LA, it's a lot of people trying to work in the entertainment industry. So they would normally be waiting tables or doing something like that. Right. But it be, but now they a lot of them have been like leveraged by these big tech firms who who are you know running Uber and Instacart and all that kind of shit. So there's a lot of like gig workers here in LA who have no other choice but to work because they don't have enough money to live, and that and a lot of them are getting COVID. And it's because you know Gavin Newsom and fucking Mer- Garcetti don't they're just like owned basically they, they might as well like wear a suit like nascar where they have like all of the different companies <laughs> that own them on them um and they don't do shit I, I don't think people realize like how uh shitty california liberals are like it's such a like a faux it's like they just want to like get invited to ryan murphy's christmas party but they don't give a fuck if anybody has any like money to live that sounds at all so that sounds yeah. very painfully accurate to me like like, they don't even want to go to a cool party. Like, they don't want to go to the asshole Glee Guys party. Like, that sounds very... Ryan Murphy's Oscar party has a problem. It's no longer high. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad like, food restaurants. And it does feel like this has been a really bad time for, like, that kind of, like, casual liberalism. Like, obviously, it's been a bad time for, like, the conservative governmental project, which is basically just, like, a series of stunts and pranks and taunts. <laughs> You know, like just like constantly trying to like park bench some elderly senator. Like that turns out that doesn't work in a pandemic either. But yeah, the idea of being like, yeah, like we're all in it together. We're going to do this efficiently. And then just like demanding that not only that your Uber driver be hot, but that they be there on time is like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is like pretty bleak. And I think it's also like, I think for such a long time in Los Angeles, like uh, the idea was basically like, as long as you said you were cool with gay marriage, you could absolutely vote for people who just grind workers into dust yeah. and, and no one would give you any shit. And for the first time in a while, like more than just like a small number of activists are like, hey, maybe our policies should look out for workers. And then suddenly all of these like, you know, studio executives and agents and like whoever, like people of industry in the LA, are, are having to like reconcile that with their own politics and they don't actually care, but they have to pretend like they care. Cause otherwise some, you know, show run Mike sure will go on Twitter and fucking blow them up, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And they don't, and that, that affects their bottom line. If, 
talent doesn't want to work with them because they're assholes. So it's funny seeing them all navigate this world of like, I still want to crush any semblance of a workers party, but uh, I do need the workers to want to work with me. So yeah. how do I navigate? It's yeah. nice. It's like watching a dog walk on its hind legs. Like the idea of like these <laughs> guys trying to like sort of figure out how to be people after like a whole lifetime of just like watching game tape of Michael Lerner's character and Barton Fink and like trying to be more like that. <laughs> Can I ask you, because uh, to that end, like at the beginning of the pandemic, LA shut down, everywhere shut down. So there was no production or anything like that. And, you know, I kept waiting for like productions to sort of resume. And the first place it happened was in ads. Of course it was ads. So like at the beginning of the pandemic, the ads were like stock footage and like, you know, really like, you know, like up with people shit. Like, oh, we're, we're in this together, even though that was all a lie. And then, and then eventually I started seeing people with masks in ads. So I was like, okay, this was produced. That's like proof of life. That's like, I know that this was produced during the pandemic. And even AT&T, when they had the Lily Lady, they had a super under it that said this ad was filmed safely, which is total shit. But, but we have yeah. to, I think they knew that everybody in America, like the one thing that every person in America agrees on is like, you have to protect Lily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if you go to like, if you, because also like, because also like, like, there's like a Reddit thing for her. So like, if you go to like, if you go to like, if you see any of those ads on like Twitter, like all the replies are just horny guys being like, oh, she's so hot. And it's just like, okay, calm down. <laughs> calm down. She's just doing her fucking job <laughs> being a spokeslady. But Let's get away from that for a second, because I want to ask Justin, they've essentially, I feel like the industry has tried to essentially reboot and is trying to get away with shooting and production as best they can, even though like Robert Pattinson resumed filming on the Batman and got COVID like three seconds into filming. Yeah. I mean, I think that they've decided, it's funny, so they shut everything down in March. I was in the end of a production where luckily I could just do everything. It was just like a little like, you know, audio recordings and here or there. And animation is obviously much easier to do within a pandemic. But, right. but uh, they shut everything down in March when, you know, 300 people a day in late in April were like dying, you know, and now it's like 3,800 people a day. And they're like, well, we got to shoot something though, right? Right. <laughs> like, we can't. <laughs> We can't not make this next season of Bridgerton, right? I mean, come on, guys. Everybody knows that. And, and I think it was that thing of like, so now basically I have a few friends who are actually like in, on, in live production of a show right now. And the way that they do it is fucking bananas. So they break everybody into zones, right? If you're an actor or somebody who has to talk to an actor, like the director, the cinematographer, you're in zone A. If you're like, a lighting guy or you're like a craft servicer or whatever, you're in zone B and you can never ever interact ever with someone from zone A. And in fact, they'll be like, Meh. zone A leaves set and all of zone A gets up and walks off of set. Wow. And then zone B comes in and does everything they have to do. And then they're left offset. They, then they're taken offset. And so you, you can work on a production and not meet 50% of the people on the production ever because you're not allowed to like see them. And meanwhile, everybody's like getting COVID tested every day. And it, and it still doesn't really matter because people are still getting COVID on these shows. Yeah. Like, like they still... don't just like power down like C-3PO when the shooting day is over and like just sleep where they stand. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, young Sheldon's going to go live his fucking life after set, yeah, you man, know, that's... and he's going to catch COVID. <laughs> so, you know, and, that, and that's been what's kind of been happening and my, my friend was shooting a show they were they were at the finale of the show and when they the show the show has a lot of kids in it like a lot of, it's like a high school aged show and uh there's a lot of extras and shit and they'd already shot half of it before covid and now they're trying then they broke and now they're trying to shoot the other half and like literally he was halfway through filming the finale and then three of the kids got covid and it was like, they had to shut everything down. And then there's no like doctor there who, I mean, there is like somebody who they consult, but there's nobody being like, we should do this to keep ourselves safe because it's just like trying to follow CDC guidelines and whoever the doctor is on set is just trying to follow CDC guidelines. But CDC guidelines were not set up for people making Bridgerton, <laughs> you know, like right. they're set up for all of us to live our lives in a normal way. 
And so it's just really complicated. It, it's it's a fucking and the budgets of these things are spiraling spiraling out of control because it's so much more expensive to shoot in COVID because of all the like regulations you have to go through. And studios don't want to spend more money. They never want to spend more money. So no. it becomes this thing of they're like, well, we want to do this for the same budget we always did it for, but also we have to spend a half a million dollars an episode so no one dies. So how are we going to figure this out? The, uh, the zone system, I think, has to be a dream to like the Steve Harveys of the world who don't like eye contact from like the right. common I was going to say, like Ellen DeGeneres like, pioneered that years yeah! ago. Yeah, yeah, she <laughs> must be in heaven. Like, oh, no one can talk to me. Finally, the scum have to stay where they are. <laughs> she like sneaks into zone yeah. two and like sprinkles some COVID all over the people and then yeah. runs out. <laughs> the funny thing is, is there's no cra- The best part of working on a show is just the craft service, being able to like eat anything you want at any time you want. Hell yeah. And, and, uh, and now that's kind of gone away because you can't like have everybody enjoying like Dave said the dips the 30 dips that are on so many dips uh, so many dips and everything is individually wrapped like how airline food comes oh that's a bummer yeah it's fucking gross and nobody likes it they just it 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 really like i mean i feel super lucky to have the job that i have especially like coming from where i came from but like it it has taken all of the small joys like writers rooms are all over zoom now which is like really annoying and hard to do and and the, the food is gone <laughs> it's all, all the little perks that used to make me feel like a special boy you can't you can't, you can't steal all the little coin you want <laughs> i do remember that i had an internship at a production company before my senior year of college um and it was on the warner brothers lot in, Ooh, name names, Dave. Uh, well, what, what I was going to say was like the parts of it that were like magical to me because they didn't let me on a set. Like I was reading screenplays in like, you know, the office of someone who had just been fired. They were like, you can sit in there until we get somebody more important. <laughs> in, and then you have to like go, you know, be in the bathroom all day. And but they were shooting. I remember Galaxy Quest. You know that movie? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. Course. It's a Love good Galaxy movie. Quest. And I remember walking by the craft services every day and it like. It smelled good, and there were, like, people, like, I saw, like, Tony Shalhoub, like, looking really sad and holding one of those, like, we are happy to serve you coffee cups, and just kind of, like, staring into the middle distance, and I was like, damn, man, like, this shit looks tight. Like, <laughs> like, like, you get all the food you want, you get to, like, have an existential crisis while wearing a jumpsuit near Sigourney Weaver. Like, that's just a Wednesday. I, uh, I had to work on, uh, or I got to work on Norm MacDonald's sports show for a week with AJ Delario, just, like, ten years ago. And I remember, like, we were on the lot, and, uh, you know, like, like you said, you get assigned an office that's not really your office. It's just, like, that's an office. And I remember I spent, like, every half an hour or so, I would go to the break room because union rules. They would have to stock it with the LaCroix and, like, baked lays and all this shit. And so I would just raid the fridge every half an hour instead of actually thinking of jokes for Norm to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's the I mean, that sounds of, like every writer. <laughs> yeah, that's like definitely also just hiring a dirt bag. Like that's one of the hazards you have. Like if you get a young person at that time in their life. Like I remember from my first job, like taking toilet paper, taking that like the milk that never expires, which they had in the pantry, just bringing that home. I didn't want to drink that. I was just like, it's free milk. Yes. Like nobody's watching it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I think that's part of the that's part of the perks. You got to raid that uh, uh, fridge. You got to raid the pantry. Take home whatever you can take home. There, that's what I was used to tell the PAs when we were on set. I was like, "Look, you know, nobody knows this food gets bought no matter what. So just go to town. Take whatever you need to take." <laughs> that's like I used to work on ad shoots because I was an ad writer, and they were under you know the shoots were like in LA, and they were essentially governed under the same principles that TV shows and movies were. And you got a food truck. Like you got, like you could go in the morning and say, "Can you make me a breakfast burrito to order?" And they'd make it, and it was so good. Like I know you're from San Diego, Justin, so you're very particular about burritos. But I grew up in Minnesota, yeah. so I'm a complete moron. So I'm like, what? You know, you could take a, you could fucking, you could have the runs into a burrito, and I'd be like, "This is so good. It's just so authentic." What am I? One of my favorite stories about craft foods, uh, craft service abuse is uh, my friend was, a, he, he worked on The Simpsons for a while in the 90s, like in the heyday of The Simpsons. Ooh. And, and so they would uh, order, for some reason, Fox being like cheap at the time, Simpsons is making them, you know, billions of dollars. They like told them, they like, somebody looked through the budget and was like, you're ordering too many snacks. <laughs> like they just said like, your snack... 
your snack budget is too high, right? But snack budget is separate from lunch budget. So what the Simpsons writers decided to do was they all started ordering like basically like sugar fish sushi, like whatever, whatever the fanciest sushi place was around them. They'd all order like $95 lunches every single day <laughs> because it was the like lunch budget. And at one point it got so crazy. They kept upping it, waiting to see when the studio would say something. <laughs> and at one point, I guess, at one point, all of them had ordered a surf and turf from Mastro's, like a lobster <laughs> and steak for lunch. And the studio was like, I just saw a lunch bill for $4,000. <laughs> like, this has to stop. <laughs> just like the idea of like a shitty writer's room to just like smelling like dudes and like anxiety. And then everybody's just like sawing away at a hank of swordfish and being like, this is worth it, I guess. That's like an edit. We used to edit the ad agency. We used to be able to order whatever we want for lunch and edit like when we were editing a TV ad. So I would get like monster sushi in New York. I would get like a hundred bucks worth of sushi and it would come, it would come in like not one, but like three bags and be like, is this all for you, Drew? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's me. I'm fine. And I'd weigh like 90 pounds heavier than that. Yeah. <laughs> me, I'm disgusting. We should take a break and come back and talk about like the Super Bowl. That might be a good idea. We'll be right back. And we're back. So let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs who are fun against the Tampa Bay Bucks, who would be fun. Like, they have a lot of fun players. They have one player who uh, I'm a little tired of seeing, who, who I don't consider all that fun. Justin Halpern, what are your thoughts on just sheer rooting interest on your end for the Super Bowl? Do you give a shit at all? Uh, I do only because I hate Boston sports more than I like any teams. Like, there's no team I like more than I hate Boston sports. And even though Brady doesn't play uh, on the Patriots anymore, he I know there are people in Boston who get joy from him, and that makes me upset. So I'm rooting for the Chiefs because anytime I can make – I can enjoy someone from Boston feeling bad about their sports teams, that's – the fence I'm going. That's the side of the fence I'm going to go on. See, I actually don't agree with you. I, I feel like this season has proven that Brady is very much insufferable in his own right without any of the Boston baggage attached to it. Like, I can just hate him for him. Yeah, that's like how he's secured his legacy. Yeah, is that like even without Belichick around, every time you see him, you're like, ugh, fucking guy. Yeah, he's probably telling somebody like something untrue about eating nightshades. You can just tell. Just a, <laughs> just a smiley, anodyne sack of shit gallivanting about as if, like, there's no COVID. And just, ah, uh, just annoying. But anyway, who do you like in the game to actually win the game, Halper? I just, uh, I mean, I, even though Andy Reid won last year, uh, I still feel like, you know, guess what? Doug Peterson also won. And, and I don't, I don't, obviously Andy Reid is a great coach, but... He has some real blind spots, you know, uh, and I feel like I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think they're a much better team, but I think the the Bucks front four is really good. And when you historically looked at Super Bowls, if you can get pressure without blitzing, you can do some stuff. So I think the Chiefs are going to win, but I, I would not be like, I've seen so many people be like, it's the Chiefs, it's no doubt. But I just feel like, you could see a kind of like last year of Peyton Manning when he won with the Broncos, but he was a piece of shit kind of game happening. I think that's yeah, possible. or that or that yeah. first Eli title. They won that because of the front four. Like yeah, um, exactly. It's not the so, most exciting way to win a football game, but it definitely works. I mean, it worked against Rodgers. It is, like, yeah, it, it is when like when yeah. when Tom Brady's the victim of it. It's actually quite fun. Yeah, that's true. That so we'll see how that goes. I am very very excited for some. <laughs> Uh, do the Bucks have a – is Scotty Miller white? Yes. <laughs> what do you think? Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'm excited to have a small, fast, white wide receiver drop a pass over the middle at a crucial time that Tom Brady has thrown because I think that's his legacy is that <laughs> that has happened in all these, like, Patriots Super Bowls where they've lost or games where they've lost. It's like Welker, whoever. And then seeing Tampa Bay, which I believe is the Boston of the Southeast – 
seeing their fans have to grapple with the fact that uh, a white their white uh, wide receiver fucked up and that's what lost them the Super Bowl is also potentially exciting to me. Like I have a theory, just to throw it back to Boston, I have a theory that uh, there are more people who own Peyton Pritchard jerseys for the in the season the new white rookie yeah. point guard for the Celtics. I have a theory that there are more Boston fans who own Peyton Pritchard jerseys than own Jalen Brown jerseys for the Celtics, even though Jalen Brown is like a huge <laughs> star for them, because I just think that that's that fan base. So I, I would like that to also happen in the Super Bowl, is that a, a white player disappoint Tampa, which I believe to be Boston South. Well, I've never been to Tampa. We have enough people that are like connected to it in our lives. Like certainly, you know, whatever. We got Burke and like Jeb, who I do a Hallmark podcast with, like that live there and tell me nice things about it. Uh, I have Another always line. assumed that it was psychotic. I have been to Tampa. <laughs> I've been to Tampa. I took a spring break with my family to Tampa. Wow. And my, my youngest son, his favorite part of the spring break was going in the elevator and pressing the buttons. So this is yeah. the only story from like a friend from my New York life who's been to Tampa. My buddy Jeff used to be like an A&R for um, a science publisher, basically. It's a very strange job. He would go to like conferences and hear people talk and then be like, that was great. Do you want to do a monograph? Do you want to sign this contract that will pay you $300 for a monograph? And that was his gig. And he was at one in Tampa. And it was like, he had some crazily drunken evening that was like way out of bounds for like even the stuff that we would do here. And I don't, it just seems like something that happens in Florida. Uh, and his story was that he just got into the elevator finally after a long, difficult time getting back to the hotel and just like, lay down and went to sleep in the elevator and then woke up and then just like what he remembers of was that he had taken his shoes off and like put them together very neatly at like just at the end of the elevator like it was <laughs> that's great like he was like he was leaving them outside the door to be shined or something like that and then yeah so that's like all i know about it is that it made my friend uh go crazy and sleep in an elevator and then also yeah that the buccaneers play there you know it's uh <laughs> it is in tampa and we got time before the game and I know there's a pandemic, but there's also Mons Venus there. So, like, there is still time for someone to pull a James Harden and just be, you know, in, you know, someone gets a candidate of him at a titty bar, like, <laughs> without, without a mask, and no one's wearing a mask, and everyone's naked. Like, that could... Well, that's, a, that's my question to you, is say someone spots Brady or Mahomes breaking COVID protocol in, in any way two days before this game, or the day before the game, what do you think happens? Nothing. Happens. Nothing. I mean, yeah. Mahomes was concussed before the AFC title game, and they went out of their way to say, oh, he tweaked his neck, you know? Like, <laughs> so even, even when you play, even when you, even when you play an obvious race card, which is that Brady would get forgiven for that kind of sin much, much faster uh, than a non-white person would be. Uh, these are still the two marquee players of the league, and they're still going to do whatever. Also, ditto the, the strip club thing. Like, if Gronk is playing and he's just, like, visibly covered in body glitter, everybody would be like, oh, that Gronk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That that not naughty scamp. He was out there grabbing boobies again. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that, that um, clip of Gronk being passed around where Gronk was basically saying, he was when they were having to do workouts via Zoom or send in their workouts because of COVID, Gronk had like figured out a way in his dumb brain to just uh, change clothes between each workout so that he could send them a different <laughs> workout each day, even though he's only working out once. And all of the replies on the tweet, every single one was like, that Gronk, like, oh, I love that guy. King! It's like, yeah. True king Anyone shit. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's like, no one was like, hey, that lazy fuck. He didn't, like, you know, no one, no one went after him at all. Everybody was like, you gotta love Gronk. I think it's because of where the bar is for Gronk that it's like, I mean, I keep talking about dogs doing things. This is like how I'm, I'm remaining, you know, more or less above sea level is like watching videos of dogs doing things. But Gronk, like, figuring out how to do that with workouts is like a video of a golden retriever opening a door, you know? <laughs> like, it's impressive in some ways because you're like, I didn't think, you know, that they knew how to do that. Even that, was <laughs> but it's not impressive. Otherwise, it's just sort of like, yeah, I can open doors too. Like I've, yeah. <laughs> I've screwed off my entire life. Like, why does this guy get bonus points for figuring out how to avoid work? I don't know if you guys find this. It, Travis Kelsey seemed to go from being like he's the young, 
tight end that's gonna you know that's gonna take over the world to like all of a sudden i saw some thing this year where they're like they're like how many more years of travis kelsey production is there left like this might be like one of you know two or three of his last good years i was like that it's crazy in the nfl how quickly players are just like they're young, they're good, they're old and gone. Like, it's just they chew through it. I haven't heard that take. Like, is that take going around? I hope not. He's still, he was excellent this year. And it seems like they use him in ways that are different. Like, the star tight ends that I remember from 10 or 15 years ago, like Todd Heap or whatever, like, they treated Todd Heap like a disposable razor, basically. Like, they were just <laughs> sort of like, you know, whatever, just do whatever you want with it. Like, and, like, when it can't remember enough stuff then you get rid of it and it's like it was sad but he had like that you know brief high peak and then you know sort of like some practice squad years I don't know that they're you know protecting Kelsey but it is definitely like I feel like he's got more time in it there are there are those takes that sort of pop up though like when Matt Stafford was traded this week um like all of a sudden there was the actually he's not that good like take factory sort of churned into gear like oh yeah. like like oh by the way he never won a playoff game like he played in Detroit of course he didn't win a playoff game. right yeah so I, I know that that thing the the Stafford thing was funny because like it's sort of like blaming the waiter for the restaurant being shitty right it's like yeah he's serving he's he can only serve the food like right. what else do you, there's there's the, he's not making it he's not setting the menu like you know we have no idea maybe he's a great waiter yeah. we don't know but it's like he's fucking working at a shake shack like there's only there's a ceiling you know yeah just see who his coach was the past couple of years come on man God. Yeah, the fact that he played in playoff games, like that just getting like sort of buried in it. You're like, oh, yeah, the Lions quarterback that played in multiple playoff games. I agree that that person is probably overrated somehow. Uh, I have to ask you guys <laughs> before we get into the stupid stuff. Do you guys have a menu plan for Super Bowl Sunday? Because I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to eat. Oh, man, I live in a little apartment. Like, I'm going to make something responsible and enjoy it with my wife. <laughs> like, Justin, you can go outside to cook things. Are you going to do that? So I've gotten, or in this quarantine, gotten really into pizza making. Oh, yeah. Uh, like making the dough and doing the whole thing. We've been thing. doing some of that, too. Do you have the stone? Yes. Do you have the pizza stone that weighs 9,000 pounds? Yeah, and actually, actually, I have a kit for my barbecue because my barbecue can get to 800 degrees, which is like a great temperature to cook a pizza. Well, la, so la, was, la, yeah. la, la, la. So I think I'm going to make a Detroit-style pie uh, for this um, Super Bowl uh, normally I smoke a uh, brisket or I smoke a uh, uh, pork shoulder or something for the Super Bowl, but because I can't watch it with a bunch of people, I don't need seven pounds of smoked pork. Yeah, speak um, for yourself. <laughs> so I'm gonna make a, I'm gonna make probably a, a Detroit style pizza. Uh, do you have the big, uh, you know, like a pizza joint's like the spatula, but it's not a spatula. It's the size oh, the of paddle. a pizza. Yeah, the paddle oh, yeah. with the with the broom handle attached. You have that? I sure do. Uh, I sure oh, do. Wow, Justin Hollywood. Incredible. Yeah. That is yeah, I, feel I like got that's the whole the, setup. That's a cool thing though. Like I mean I like making we make pizza in our little wall oven and it's very sort of humble and janky, but the idea of like getting to that level where you have the doodads. Where you need to like, like this is like my special pizza, you know, apron that I wear because like it makes it easier for me to wield this enormous spatula that I use to move the pizza. Like, I aspire to that. <laughs> it does feel good. It feels really like I feel like I'm doing something above and beyond when I get that thing out. You, like, even if I don't even need it, I'm sometimes I use it anyway because I'm like, you know what, this is I'm a real pizza maker now. Do you put the dough directly onto the grate? No, no. So I have a pizza stone that is especially for specifically for a barbecue oh. because if you use a normal pizza stone it'll just burn the shit out of the bottom of your pizza your pizza will be charred on the bottom right so this pizza stone is a little thicker um and it it's uh, it's lovely i've been making some very very good pizzas um I'll, after this i'll send you some pics of these pizzas oh wow right i can't wait Legit. to look at a picture of a pizza i can't fucking yeah. eat <laughs> yeah i i have a friend uh, who crooks them directly onto the grill and I've never had the balls to do it because I'm always like, well, it's just going to fall through the grates. And, of course, it doesn't because it's, it's very hot, so it, it solidifies rather quickly. But I've never had the guts to do it. I've seen people make it that way. But on, I've seen, the people I've seen make it that way are, like, on the Food Network, people who have, like, a giant rag that they're always wiping sweat off their brow. <laughs> like, those sorts of people 
have a have a, a relationship with with cooking and food and the barbecue that I just will never have. So I don't trust myself to be able to cook it like that. Like I don't mop sweat off my forehead right. you don't have while like we're a, doing a, this. A tattoo of like a pig broken down into all the component cuts. <laughs> yeah, on your forearm. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it has to be it has to be right up on your bicep. <laughs> yep. Or like, yes. like on your on your shoulder I, blade. I was a waiter for a really long time, for like seven years. And one time I worked for this head chef. And he had a on his back. He had a giant plate, and then, <laughs> and then he had a fork on one, a fork and a knife and a spoon. Like it was a place setting, except it also had a salad fork. I thought that was really nice to get to. Yeah. It's like when people yeah. get tattoos to like commemorate their kids. Like every time this guy learns to do a new thing, he's like, "All right, put a crab fork on there." <laughs> <laughs> was it like a vichyssoise spoon? Was there anything distinct about the plate? Like, was the plate also a skull? Because that would be a chef move. No, it was just, a, I was, it was, the level, the lack of detail was a little disconcerting just because it felt like, well, I feel like you could have gotten this tattoo like in jail or something. Like, it didn't. It did. Everybody who's a chef at that level has had some sort of past with running with the law. Right. Like, at that point, like the law or like, They've come from a dark, dark place and pulled themselves out of it. And cooking food is what did it for you. You never hear a story that's like, yeah, I grew up middle class. And then, you know, I went to uh, Michigan State and I became a chef. <laughs> like, it's always yeah, just yeah. like. Yeah, I'm a rich kid know. who happens to love beats. So I figured I'd get into it. Like, yeah. I was, It's yeah. always like, I was a heroin addict. Yes. <laughs> My thesis advisor in college, I was a history major. And I wrote a history thesis that I was very proud of. And this guy that had been like a real nice sort of mentor to me. I, I, I was not a very good student. Uh, like, and I remember talking to him when I was getting ready to graduate. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, should I go to graduate school? Or like, what do you think? Like, what graduate school should I go to? And he was like, you should think about cooking school. <laughs> and I... <laughs> And it was based entirely on the fact that I'd, like, talked to him about restaurants. That I'd, like, bit my parents had come out, and I went to, like, a good place in Pasadena, and we talked about it. And he was like, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that would be good for you. I think, you you know, you're, oh, you care about food. and That's such guidance uh, counselor shit. It really but it was. It was definitely, like, the sort of thing, like, <laughs> like, me asking, like, I think I should be, like, a nuclear physicist. Don't you agree? And he was like, I think that you should open packs of baseball cards on YouTube. Yeah. How about this? How about this, David? How about you not expect anything out of your life? How about that? <laughs> Wait, you, I mean, honestly, like, it would have been a much better career decision than going to graduate school had I done that. I, I took the third option, which was doing nothing for 10 years and then eventually uh, getting some sort of blogging gig. Yeah, so, but who's look, to say he was wrong? And look he was at, definitely right that I shouldn't have gone to grad school. And he was probably right that I should have gone to cooking school, too. It's as if you like bounced or it's, it's like your life would looks the same as someone who spent 10 years in the minor leagues bouncing around and comes yeah. out with like nothing except they could say I was a minor league baseball player and you don't have that. Right. I've <laughs> never even been to Stockton, California, let alone spent two years there getting fucking lit up by people That's who like, are better at baseball than me. It's like when I was working at an ad agency and I had an epiphany. I was like, I'm going to become an English professor one day. I'm going to go back and get my master's in English. I become a professor, and I told my dad, like I called my dad, I was like, Dad, I've made a decision with what I want to do with my life. I'm going to be a professor. And he's like, he's like, he's like, oh, you're hard to get those jobs. You're better off just doing the shit you already got. And, and then I never, I never considered it again after that. <laughs> hey. And it was academia's loss. I have, uh, <laughs> I have two games for you. Uh, the first one's Dead or Canceled. Do you ready to play Dead or Canceled, Justin? Yes. All right. Is this person dead or are they canceled? This week's uh, subject, fashion designer John Galliano. Is he dead or canceled, Justin? Oof. Uh, I'm going to go with the fashion industry. I would say he's canceled. You bet your ass he's canceled, John. He is canceled. All right. Who said to a woman at a restaurant, I love Hitler. Literally said that to a woman and got, and was, and got, uh, there was a year, and I think it was Italy. He, he got convicted. For hate speech, you can actually you can actually not do that in certain European countries. You will actually get punished for that. Imagine that. Imagine actually getting punished for being a hateful anti-Semite. What was the conversation that led up to "I love Hitler"? Good question. Same question. You know actually, what? I, I looked it up on I looked it up on Wikipedia, and it was so ugly that I, I wasn't going to recount all of it 
because it just seemed like giving oxygen to someone who was a real bag of shit. Right. So. It's really yeah. easy. Right. To, it's really easy to avoid saying that. Also, also, I, yeah, that's a sentence that really you have to like. You can't accidentally say that, right? Like, yeah, like, that's not me. No, it, I'm not like uh, that. Does not reflect my values. It was definitely yeah. not. By, it was definitely not an accident. And if you read the whole quote, what he said after "I love Hitler" was somehow worse than saying "I love Hitler." So, oh wow, yeah, all right, it's quite an accomplishment. Okay, and I'm gonna get canceled well. myself now because Roth. It's time. We said we'd only bring back the mashup on special occasions. Well, it is Super Bowl week. It is Super Bowl week. It is Super Bowl Justin, week. Justin, you are in for a treat, man. So instead well, of drinking from the poison chalice, you have to play the mashup. You ready to guess the mashup, Halpern? He's literally yes. going to sing. Right, I'm gonna are sing. you sure you're ready? You have to guess the two artists that I have mashed up together. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Out on green, green, rocky road, promenade in green. Tell me who you love. Tell me who do you love. Okay. Uh, how was that for you? <laughs> I, I, you know what? That's how I uh, ingest all of Drew's speech anyway. <laughs> yeah. He always said I'm the world's loudest person. and it actually He is. He is. But I always think of your, uh, your wife as just like in, in like, a, you know, uh, in fucking... Uh, a sane asylum where everyone's just screaming and beating their heads and she's the one who's walking through trying to get everyone to like take their meds yep. <laughs> like that's what it must be like in your home it's so loud like my dad turns the tv up to 100 when he watches it nice and it, it i'm like this is just living with drew it's, just turned to it's worse now that i'm deaf because i can't hear anything so i really do have to turn everything up it's horrible okay so i'm gonna preface this by saying i am the least music guy Ever. You are. I don't. I. I am. I've owned. I've bought in my life less than five albums, wow. and one of them was. Now that's what I call music, <laughs> uh, and the uh, and another one was Jock Jams. So I've only actually bought three albums by actual <laughs> individual artists. Right. Yeah, individual artists. So I know that song. Who do you love? I. I want to say it's it's Joe Cocker, even though I know it's not. It is not. But it's that that sort of voice. The first one was uh, confusing to me as well. Like Drew was, he was in a country mode. Yes. If you've heard him uh, sing enough mashups, you know that there's a certain register that he can reach. I'll give you a hint that you are both cinephiles. Uh, so there's a movie element to the first one. Hmm. Oh. Uh, what would that be? I mean, the second one, I, I sounded like you were trying to do the George Third. That is correct. That's it's, right. it's George, George so we Third. Can, it's George Third. We, we can underline that one, cross that off. Yeah, yeah I had to do I had to do the guitar riff. Like, when I do a guitar riff, I go, bam, 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 bam. Like, it, it's always a B. Like, a, like, it always starts with a B. I don't know why. Uh, anyway, the first one, you guys give up on the first part? I do. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's from Inside Lewin Davis. That's Oscar, uh, Oscar Isaac. Oh, oh. I like that movie. You know what? I... Uh, it's very weird. Spotify only has two songs from the soundtrack on it, and they're both sung by uh, Oscar Isaac. I assume rights were involved somehow, but they're both really good. So one of them's Green Green Rocky Road, and the other one's Fare Thee Well, which I think is a cover, but I, I do enjoy them when I'm... Is, is that the one he sings to the like music producer who then is like, yeah, I'm passing. I'm not going to... The line, uh, it's such a great line because he says, I'm not seeing any money here. And then, <laughs> and then Oscar goes, okay, okay. Like, it, that is such... Like, that's exactly how I would take rejection. Like, I just want, want to leave as fast as I can. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to absorb the impact and the dread right in front of the guy who just t- told me to go take a shit. You can't make money doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I would leave as well. Your guy of the week is Fast Willie Parker. You guys remember Fast Willie Parker? Oh, a little bit. Yeah? Uh, do you remember no. Fast Willie Parker, Justin Hill? I do not. Okay. Fast Willie Parker... Uh, in my mind, probably should have been the MVP of Super Bowl XL, uh, the Steelers against the Seahawks. He had, I believe it was a 75-yard run for a touchdown, uh, but Heinz Ward, who had 100 yards receiving and a touchdown in that game, was your MVP against the Seahawks. Of course, if you ask a Seahawks fan, uh, the refs were the MVP of that game. But fast Yeah, that's, that's what I remember most. 
I don't remember that his nickname was Fast Willie Parker, but I am remembering now that I think my friends and I called him Silly Willie Parker because we were cool guys. <laughs> Look at you. That watched football together. Uh, <laughs> but I think, I think that that's, it makes sense that that would be who it was. Well, because the other thing is that, uh, you know, the whole lead up to that game was, you know, Jerome Bez from Detroit. We're all sick of that joke. And Willie Parker, of course, was the better running back by that time. And I gained him in that game. So that's why I remember Willie Parker so distinctly. Justin, you want to take a sampling from the uh, Defector Fun Bag? Yes. All right. All right. This one's from John. John asked, how many people do you think have reached out to the Cavs, Heat, or Lakers team reps to see if they could slip a loved one's ashes into LeBron's pregame chalk toss? Has a team <laughs> said yes, and has a scorekeeper ever been bribed to do so? Do you think that's ever happened, Justin? You know what? I absolutely believe that someone has, like, gone past it just being an idea in their head and made like one move <laughs> like they made a phone call to like a friend or something like that uh no i actually believe that that would be a fitting tribute for anyone <laughs> and i feel like uh if you're somebody who's like important to ohio like i believe lebron would do it if you were the right uh famous person who died who needed like you know, say there was like, you know, uh, so, yeah, so, some some Ohio person important in Ohio uh, had something happen to them. I bet LeBron might do that. What if he did it for the Karen lady who harassed him on the court the other day? Like she just <laughs> drops dead in like a car accident or something. And he gets his revenge by throwing her up. <laughs> <laughs> the opening act of a horror movie. Yeah. It's like, always hey, really nice. Like do it, do it in front of her husband. It's really like, more do, of a Tales from the Crypt episode if we're being honest. Yeah. But it's a similar sort of deal. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> I loved those people, uh, the people that were heckling LeBron. It's everybody uh, that has ever done, like, th- that gotten in trouble for being, like, extra abusive, even by, like, rich person in courtside seat uh, sort of standards, has looked more and more perverse over the years. Like, the people, the Miami people that got in trouble for, like, giving the middle finger to Joe Kim Noah right. look like normal people next yeah. to these guys. Yeah, to do it, to pull it off in the middle of a pandemic is really, it's really upping the... Uh, oblivious rich person game. It's just really fantastic. Uh, Marcel writes in, oh wait, before I go to Marcel's question, would either of you have LeBron pull, uh, throw up your ashes after you die? 100%. Yeah, I would, I would totally do that. Roth, would you do that? I guess it would. I would prefer it happen on a court that meant something to me. You know, like if they were playing a game somehow, if they were at Brendan Byrne Arena, that would be nice. <laughs> The idea of it happening, like, yeah, we'll get to it at our earliest convenience, and then, like, my final resting place is, like, where the Nuggets play. <laughs> like, doesn't that doesn't 100% work for me. Uh, Marcel writes in, how many of the world's population do you reckon live in countries that end with the letter A? I'm putting it at about 85% and maybe as high as 90. Justin, what percentage of the world's population lives in countries that end with the letter A? Well, obviously, China is the you know half the world's population. You so India. you're gonna start India. That's another giant. But Brazil is one of the top five largest countries. I Brazil think. Brazil is so, top six. Two hundred and twelve million people live in Brazil. They ain't played nobody though. They ain't played. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> they really <laughs> haven't. They've really played. That conference is so weak. Uh, <laughs> um, I would bet seventy five percent. There's a lot of stands. Uh, Roth, yes, there are. And in fact, uh, Pakistan is the fifth most populous country in the world with 221 million people. Roth, mm. do, you, do you share uh, Justin's percentage? 75% sounds like shockingly high, and yet I, it, it does make sense when you consider like China, India, United States of America, and Canada as being like, you know, what sort of a large landmass of conflicted people closer to home. Uh, 75% somehow does not seem too high to me. I, I think it might be lower. I'm, lo- I'm looking at the chart right now. So, okay. Uh, the top four countries in terms of population all end in A. If you count United States of America. I was. I, I was yeah, counting Yeah, I that. count that. So China, India, the USA, and Indonesia are the top four. And combined between them, they have, hang on a second, 2.5... Uh, uh, over 3 billion people. So that's half right there. Uh, but there, is only, there are only two more in the top 10 that, have, that end in the letter A. Nigeria, oh. 
Nigeria is at 206 million, and then Russia's only number nine with 146 million. And so then in between that, you have Pakistan, Brazil, uh, Bangladesh, uh, and then after Russia, you have Mexico, Japan, Ethiopia, which ends in A, but then Philippines, Egypt, Vietnam. Like the A countries dominate the top, but after that, it gets pretty thin. Like your next A country after Ethiopia, which is at 12, is Tanzania at f- number 24. Uh, so I'm thinking, I'm thinking down around, like, because we already had established 3 billion, so that's 50%. Or close to fifty percent. I'll go with like it's very much. I'll go fifty yeah, to sixty percent. Although yeah, it's it's like they're built like the nets, like the top. <laughs> they got a yes. solid starting five, and then after that, you're like la woo woo curva. I don't know. Exploring the buyout market. Not that's not where you want to be. That is exactly right. We have one more to to go to before we get to the closing credits. This credits. This from J M. And uh, JM writes in, Last night I had a very vivid dream in which David Roth of Defector and his older brother Dave Mustaine of Megadeth shared a hotel room and touchingly commiserated about their upbringings and a very Tan Solens directing stepbrothers vibes. And it got me thinking, what famous person would make the best sibling for you? And which would be the most, which would be most likely to become your familiar, familial arch nemesis? You don't have to answer the question. I just liked that the person had a dream that Roth was... Uh, siblings with Dave Mustaine and not Dave David, Mustaine. not David J, not David Lee Roth, as you are so often mistaken for. Like, I feel like Mustaine and I would be like that. Would I would honestly love to be related to Dave Mustaine? I don't. Like, think I don't want to know I, his like opinions on COVID or whatever. Like you, I'm sure they're you do not bad. You really but don't. If it was like the idea of having like a heart to heart with him, being like, you know, we never hugged. That wasn't how we were raised. And Dave Mustaine being like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that would be great. I had a dream like I shook hands with Mitch McConnell and we had a nice friendly exchange and I woke up and I was like, oh my God, did I do that? No, I didn't. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Justin, you were a fabulous guest. Did we did we have our picks? Did we say who was going to win? I, I'm picking the Chiefs. Are you, did you pick the Chiefs? I'm going to, I'm going to say the Chiefs 31-27. All right, Roth, who do you pick? I, I am also picking the Chiefs. I'm not going to pick a score because I already, um, I don't know, I'm wrong often enough. I don't need to like just gratuitously step into another pothole. Well, uh, but yeah, feels like Chiefs, feels like Chiefs by, you know, a score. All right, so we, we all pick the Chiefs, so that settles it. They're doomed. Uh, Brandon Nix is the producer and engineer. <laughs> Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to Ur... <laughs> you can listen to ad-free episodes <laughs> of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. And thanks to us, you can get a free month of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code DISTRACT. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you listen. And go subscribe to Defector.com, too. And please watch Harley Quinn. I have watched it. It's fucking great. It's on DC Universe, but it's also now on HBO Max. And the third season comes uh, hopefully very soon. Justin? Yeah, I would say end of this year, end of 2021, maybe start of 2022. So not that soon, uh, but, yeah. but hopefully. I, I find it really I'm easy to think about what 2022 is and will be like. Yeah. Yes. yeah I feel like... No surprises. Uh, well, you are a fantastic guest. Will you come on again sometime, Alfred? Oh, I would love to. I'm doing nothing. Great. All right. That's just what we like to hear. Have a happy Super Bowl, everybody. We will talk to you yeah. next week. Next week's guest... Is uh, Mina Kimes of ESPN. Oh, from, from TV. Yes, that's right, from the TV. Uh, a much, much higher profile guest than Justin Hopper. Oh, yeah. Justin what? Hopper. No. You're still here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd agree. I would. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.